0: My name is Aaron Wexler, and this is Within the Game podcast, and I'm here with the one and only Gabby Reese. Gabby, you are a legend in the sport of beach volleyball, a former model, sports announcer, and now you are a fitness expert and host of the Gabby Reese Show podcast. You're also an author and New York Times bestseller, have been featured on Joe Rogan, The Doctors, and you were the first female spokeswoman for Nike. You're married to the legendary big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, who was also a guest on this show, and together you guys run Extreme Performance Training (XPT) as well as Laird Superfoods. Your IG is at Gabby Reese, and your website is gabriellereese.com. Once again, Gabby, appreciate you being here.
1: Thank you, and I let's clarify: I'm not an expert at anything. <laughs> Say that. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you you and Laird kind of embody this idea of inspired living. And I started this podcast and I have this forthcoming book coming out, which is called The Inspired Athlete, which I'm really excited about. Um, and this idea of inspired living. And I've tried to, you know, con- uh, surround myself and connect with people who I feel like really embody that. So I want to jump right into that. You know, what, is that, what does that mean to you, inspired living?
1: You know, I think everyone is- is so different and and so i think it's when you are when you have the opportunity to look at life uh, in a way that it's like your own art if you will that you're not i mean obviously we borrow from other people because that's so natural cuz other people inspire us or influence us but that we have this opportunity to sort of paint our lives in accordance to sort of who we are uniquely and to, and to keep your mind open for learning and and um and you know it's like moving forward in the way where you're trying to offload some of our fear responses which i think get really trained into us early in life and try to move from a place of of you know not only i want to say gratitude but inspiration and also asking ourselves individually like well why am i here and what am i meant to contribute and how can I help someone else? Um, and, you know, and and just try to continue to do that regardless of our age.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, I, I started this during the uh, pandemic where I kind of felt like we all needed some more inspiration, you know, starting with myself. But when we're uninspired, Gabby, like what are some tools that you use to get back to that inspired feeling?
1: For me personally, I... You know, I, I'm in some ways not a good person to ask this question to, because I, I've i come to realize that I have a very, um, not a blue collar mentality, you know, like you mentioned I'm married to Laird. Well, Laird is, he's inspired by nature and he just knows, hey, that's good for me and I need to be there and everything, I'll, fi- I'll find my way through that. Sure. And I think for me personally, I have... And, and I think this is through sport, which is like, listen, it's on you. It's about total, It's about an accountability. So what that does then, obviously, is it gives you the power to go, well, something isn't the way that I like it. So what do I need to do to, um, whether it's to feel inspired or be moving into these spaces that feel good? I don't know that I'm waiting for a lightning bolt of inspiration to hit me. I think that I, I can recognize like, oh, I feel flat or I feel... Uh, you know, muted. and so how do I then go and do the things that make me feel in a way that are are sort of more in the tones of feeling inspired and and optimistic?
0: Yeah, and it's totally a feeling and it's um, and I want to get into some emotional intelligence stuff too, because I feel like um, that is the way that we can tap into that feeling more is to be aware of our emotions and you know use our emotions as our guidance system. Um, but I wanted to just real quickly mention uh, your book, which I which I got and I started reading. And you know, you mentioned um, there, I'm just going to read this. There's nothing that I need that I don't already have except people to inspire me, right? Mm-hmm. And I really like that because you know, it, just I don't know. Just take that. What what does that really mean? Like jump I into think, that a little more.
1: I think really, if you boil a lot of things down to life, besides you know, this idea of trying to contribute. Yeah. I think this idea of connection, we we always hear people talk about my tribe, my community, all these things. I think at the end of the day, rich relationships are, you know, it's, they're so important. And so when you can be around other people, especially when you're feeling more flat or down, that you think, oh, they're trying, they're giving it a go, they're putting it out there. Right. That is a, that's just a nice, reminder back to us that you're not alone in this and that um and that when you don't have it yourself you can sort of be bar you know you can borrow it from those people around you that just by the way that they're trying to live inspires you and 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 listen I'm not gonna lie I have a an advantage living with Laird there's a big resource you know kind of you know I just look across on my bed and that doesn't mean there doesn't, there isn't a lot of things that come with that. I'm not suggesting um, it's very, you know, there's sort of an intensity and a, and and something with that, but it's having those people where you go, they're trying, you know, it's like when you play sports, when you're not feel you're not good in that moment and your teammates are still giving it a go and you know, you're getting your ass handed to you, but they are like every point, you know, Standing up and saying "Here we go," I think that it's the same. It's true to people and and using their intentions and their desire uh, to be like, "Yeah, you know what? I can do better, or I can find it, or I and I got to I'm going to keep trying."
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, just a quick plug for your book. This is awesome, and you know, I just like I'm. I just did a whole process of writing a book, and I just love how open you guys are uh both you and Laird I have his book too and you guys are so open with your relationship and just the ups and downs and I I just love that can you talk quickly about just being that open and accessible um, when it comes to your personal life
1: you know there's a lot of things I probably think really differently than when I wrote in that book hopefully I've, I've learned a few things and you realize like this notion of separation you know, that you're different than me and I'm not you and, and uh, all of these things, what I've really has, and it actually was one of my daughters that really taught me this, is this idea of like, it's all, it's all the same, Mm. you know, we're we're all the same. Um, Even people that we're having conflict with are ultimately still really us and we're them. And so I think sometimes when you have a public job, you're afraid to be criticized and, and be it, on whatever level right like I don't really consider myself that public but maybe there's elements of my job that I it's public and people can have a running commentary right but it's it's just sort of not being afraid of that and and um I think the more you practice that and not and not try to pretend that it's all perfect and that you have anything figured out it becomes a lot less scary and and then it just makes it easier all the way through it's sort of like apologizing you know the more we practice sort of uh, being like, oh, you know what? I blew that. Um, it gets easier. So I think for both Laird and I, we're trying to be, um, you know, with within limits. I mean, obviously, certain things you you do keep more private. Um, that you sort of think I'm not really so different in my closed doors than I am in the thing that I'm portraying out there.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think it's great, and I think you guys both have this whole idea of no fopo, which Dr. Mike Gervais taught me about, which is fear of other people's opinions. And we don't want to have that, right? We So I think you guys both have that. No FOPO.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't love it when people put me on blast. I'm not going to lie. Laird really is pretty good about it. <laughs> um, but what I've learned is that if my if I'm trying and where my intentions are lined up and I'm putting effort out there, I just, you know, Byron Katie says like, what you think of me is really none of my business. And I, I really tried to take that on. But of course, sometimes you get a, Somebody says something and it has you have a moment of a sting, and then you go, Oh, there's my ego and whatever, and I'll just keep going.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about mindset. Um, this idea of mindset to me is a, is about how to frame your thinking. And it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But you know, for my audience, most of my audience is athletes and coaches and entrepreneurs, so right up your alley. So um the idea of mindset you know I, I i want you to talk about your mindset what that means to you um if you could talk about growth mindset and i'd really love to jump into some hawaii mindset i just got actually just got back from kawaii oh,
1: okay. look on your face
0: yeah <laughs> no i did i just got back i played in the Dino. um oh, you should-
1: yeah i was there when you guys were playing my old partner coppin oh. um colburn maybe you saw him there. He's sort of, I always say Coppin has the athleticism of a professional athlete who just was not a professional athlete. And they Mm -hmm. just don't get beat by the girl and the short guy (laughs) tournament. That's great. It was
0: so fun. But I, um, you know, I just, I felt that Aloha vibe. I felt that spirit. I went to Honolulu afterwards too. For people who have never been to Kauai, you know, could you just talk a little bit about that mindset of just being there and soaking all that Aloha up?
1: Yeah. You know, one thing I've learned, I grew up in the Caribbean, and the culture there is very, very different. Um, I've learned a lot living in Hawaii, and obviously Laird was raised on Kauai. He was raised in Wainiha, which is sort of between Honolulu and and the end of the road, is, you know, one, it's it's like you don't take yourself so serious. You don't have so much self-importance. You know, you'll even hear a very young person from Hawaii say, oh, they were very humble, right? And I think that, Baked into the culture is a graciousness and a humility that maybe the mainland doesn't quite embrace that real strength and power comes from you know a humility and um, and and just if I have something that I can share with you, I will and the helpfulness and the sense of community um, I am you know i'm I'm very humbled by by the Polynesian culture, even like if you look in the old, you know, sort of older traditions, they never believed in owning anything. You just were a good steward, and so I think for me, that really Laird and I talk about it a lot. It really resonates with us. But right there, conversely, right there's a warrior culture, so mm-hmm. it's this beautiful blend of like, hey, I'm gonna come with to you with love, and I'm gonna offer you things, and. When I say something, I actually mean it. Like in California, if someone flips you off and you actually aggress them, they freak out and say they're going to call their lawyer. Right. right. But in Hawaii, it's like very few words, but they might slap your head. Right. So I, lo- I actually love, because it's more like nature. It's like, you know, it's not a lot of lip service. Yeah, And um, so I, I really, and the nature there, I I believe, I always joke that God, ha- I know has offices everywhere on the planet, but definitely as one is in the North shore of Kauai, he keeps an office or she keeps an office. Well, you know, they keep an office in there and um, it's very, it's, it's very, very powerful there I find.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's a, It's a very special place. Um, I heard you on another podcast, talk about big wave passion mindset.
1: Could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, well, I mean, living with Laird, obviously I don't have that. I've been out in the ocean. I've been in, you know, in front of a wave with a 50 foot face. And I used to think, why would anyone on purpose go towards this? And, um, Laird said his, his, uh, dad, Billy said, you know, big wave riders are born. Um, they're not made. So I do think it's one of the sports that you have a calling towards and that um, it's a very interpersonal uh, relationship with the ocean, but it's also a very frustrating one. You're always waiting. You're never hardly ever really getting the conditions, maybe a couple times a year. So um, at least from my experience witnessing Laird, especially who is who's genuinely dedicated to this pursuit, it's like it gives him also it makes right. Of the world, it, there's an order. There's a there's a rules. There's there's some engagement that makes a lot of sense to him. That um, and it also gives him a purpose. Like I have the skill set, and now I can put it into this. So it, it's very interesting to witness. Um, and the people who are really doing it for the sake of doing it, generally, um, and I'll be quick about it, um, they have a humility with it. You never hear. Right. Like a great rock climber or a great big wave surfer go, "Yo, I killed it today." You'd never would. Um, I, I've told a story where Laird would come in from Piahi with Dave Kalama, and he would say things like, "My board was working very well today." She was very friendly. The conditions were friendly. Dave was surfing. Dave surfed so well, but they would never say, "I." Right? Because also I think they understand the power. And if you want to kind of get your ass in a real quick way, you've even experienced this in any other sport the minute you're like, "Oh, I got them." For sure you're about to get it. And so I think uh, the ocean is so such a great teacher of that. Like I'm letting you be a part of this. You're not really so incredibly tough or, you know, talented. And it's meaning, you know, the wave. And so I think that there's a it's a beautiful thing to witness. It's, it's hard though. Cause I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if there's no waves, there's just no waves.
0: Right. Right. Well, I think it's really interesting. Um, and I would like you to kind of think back when you were competing in, mm-hmm. in beach volleyball and like that difference, right. Of like, I'm going to beat you. Right. Yeah. The, of that ego of like, I'm a competitor, yeah. but now, you know, living with Laird and, you know, and having that, this re- relationship with the ocean now, which is not like I'm going to beat you, but it's like, thank you. Right. Thank you for your, your gifts. You know, thank you for allowing me to be a part of, of your experience, mother, mother nature. Can you talk about that balance and and for anyone listening, how they can better create that balance?
1: You know, and for me personally, I, uh, I actually also had a different point of view with volleyball. I mean, obviously, you know, we all have the people that sort of rub up against us that then you kind of get fired up and you're like, I want to beat them. Right. But ultimately what I would try to do is say, okay, I've been training with my team. The goal is X. And I would just go, Hey, listen, you in my mind, I'd be like, it's your job to go out and just try to execute and, and, and play the best that you can and work with your team on all the things that you've been trying to accomplish. And, and, Get into those rhythms and flows of when you play. Um, because the minute I got into like, oh, I want to beat them, I always would, it never, I was never as good. Um, and so I lived with Laird when I was still competing. And it was very interesting to have somebody who was like with Mother Nature and me, who's like, you know, man versus man sport mm-hmm. and a ref's involved and a lucky bounce and like all these weird things that happen. So I think um, I always had a perspective on it. Because then sometimes, you know, you lose, right? And uh, i had had seasons that were pretty tough. And, you know, you in that moment has to feel like the most important thing. And then when you back up again, because you have to go to practice soon. And so to get fired up again, you kind of have to reboot your perspective. I'd be like, all of this is kind of silly. Mm. And then I'd have to go back into practice and be like, every ball is important. So it was that rack focus of, hey, listen, you're hitting a ball. But then when you're playing, be like, you need to get this ball. So having the ability emotionally to to get the rack focus. And and what I will tell people is if you listen, if you ever read like the book, um, uh, uh, Natural Born Heroes, what we really learn is that cooperation is part of our evolution, not competition. So sometimes competition is, gives us something to do one. And also you get to know yourself in a very different way when you have that kind of stress. And that's actually, if you said, Hey, what was great about sport, the discipline to be able to be able to work, to get beat, to get up again, to get embarrassed, to deal with it, to set a goal, to accomplish the goal. And really for me, that's, I think what sport really gave me, which was. Now I get to see myself in all these dimensions that this modern day life maybe doesn't provide me as often, or I can fake it a little or whatever. So I think sometimes when people think about sport, they don't really focus on the true essence of what, what it gives you. Because I've told a lot of athletes, for example, when we have events like XPT events, I have like college, all Americans that get a blown out knee and they can't play in the NFL. I'm like, listen, you're a loaded gun. Where, what's your next target? And mm-hmm. I think that's also what sport gives you. It's like, oh, I did this. Um, you know, Ryan holiday talks about the body of evidence. When you're able to learn something and do it well, that gives you confidence when you try something new, I don't know what I'm doing, but I have confidence that I can try to figure it out. And mm-hmm. really that's what it is. Cause we're not going to do it forever. We're going to be doing many things.
0: I love that, Gabby. I think that's so valuable for, you know, for especially for the youth athlete now who's trying to, you know, go to the top, make it to college, make it to pros, you know, like just to have that, that clarity of balance, right, of like, knowing, okay, I'm going for this sport, but at the same time, I need to just stay grateful for my opportunities, right? Because I think, I think a lot of athletes lose sight of that. They're so focused on the end goal. They're so focused on winning. And actually, I want to talk to you about winning, because I heard you, um you said there's maybe a difference between winners and champions did I get that right yeah yeah like talk about that
1: Yeah. you know and, and and the thing is is that young athletes hang around other athletes so they all think this is just how it is and they don't realize if you can play in college and certainly if you can play in the pros those are two miracles back to back right so um I, you know, for me, there's, I know a ton of winners. I know people that have every championship you've ever thought of, and maybe a couple of times over. Um, so they've won a lot, but they're not champion people. And I don't, I think in the end goal, it's somebody who is, a, is, a, is like a genuine, they represent all the things, which is like, you don't want to be a good loser, but you're going to be, at least after you've had a moment to cool off, maybe gracious Mm -hmm. right um if you're going to do the extra you might be there first you might end last um you i used an analogy in my book with carrie walsh where there was a you know dumped garbage can in the player's tent and at the time carrie was playing with misty it was like that's the best player in the world carrie's the one who picked up the garbage can right so it's it's kind of really trying to be more well-rounded. If one were to think of it like a Renaissance person, right? Where you, you have an appreciation for nature or art, you know how to communicate with people, you know how to be kind, you know how to be strong. So I think for me, when I think about a champion human being, not just like, oh, I'm a winner. Okay, well, I know a lot of people that they're kind of schmucky and they, they've killed it.
0: Yeah even in life too, right? You could be a winner financially, but are you a champion? You know, are you a, you have champion mindset. And I love what you said, because to me, champion mindset is being the best version of yourself, right. And like being the champion version of yourself in all aspects, not just in sport um, or, you know, in business, right. It could be, it could be anything. And that, that leads me to my next thing, uh, which is all about personal growth, you know, and and that's my message to the, to the kids that we coach. And um, with this whole book, and this whole idea of inspired living is like, let's grow, right. And I know you you talk about that a lot. Um, I heard you talk about, you know, personal growth is all about checking in about who you are, you know, having that curiosity for your own expansion, I was hoping you could expand on that for my listeners, because um, I feel like we all myself included, we get caught up, in society or the news or other people's stories right and we're, sometimes we lose touch with this idea of our own personal growth
1: well you know what it is is it's not being transactional or strategic about every single thing that you do in life mm. everything you say it's really important that check-in gives you that direct ear to your own spirit to say what do i really like where do I really want to be heading? Not, well, the rest of the world's doing that. And that gets a lot of attention and that gets a lot of money. And so I should be doing that. But, and trying to quiet that down and, <clears throat> and also just being forthcoming. So for example, if I have friendships, they're friendships because of the friendships. Now, if I have a friend, let's say that maybe I do have a business idea with. I isolate that so that it's not all bleeding together. And I'll say, Hey, can I take a meeting with you? <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a business idea so that I know I'm staying honest and I'm not being transactional. I'm not trying to get something from somebody. I'm not being cool to this person because they have that, but I'm really looking at like, first of all, do I even like that person? Cause if I don't, um, am I really going to be friends with them because they got a boatload of cash or they own that company that maybe could benefit me later? So I, I think that that really helps. And then what happens is your painting, that is your life sort of ends up reflecting you genuinely. And when we talk about success and defining what success is, I definitely think that's a way to be successful because nobody can, nobody's painting. You don't have to compete with anyone. It's yours. It's you. And, um, and I think it most, it makes most people feel pretty good.
0: Right. Right. Let's use that as a, uh, a segue to emotional intelligence, right? Because that's also a part of my message and part of my curiosities is allowing, allowing these emotions that we all have to, to guide us, right? Especially for sports. So I would like you to think about back when you were playing you know, and and how to manage all these emotions. Um, You know, you're winning, you're feeling great, you're losing, you're not feeling great, you know, you're hurt, you're not feeling great, you're healthy, you're feeling great, you know, like this, it's just this constant emotional roller coaster. And so what are some tools and tips that you can share to help manage all those emotions?
1: It's a great point, because it's really hard to do, especially if you're hurt or you're losing. I think it's looking at it, instead of being like, oh, I'm good, we're winning. you know, I suck, we're losing, or we're losing, I suck, right? It's sort of understanding that everything is everything. And so if you're going to be a winner, you're going to be a loser. If you're going to be healthy and jump out of the gym, you're going to have times that, you know, your knee hurts or your ankle gets twisted. And everything is everything. So winning is losing, you know, succeeding is failing, Um, feeling confident is being scared, Instead of all these separations and gears that when we approach it like, oh, and this too mm. is part of the story. And and also, you know, like being honest. So for example, if you're having an injury and you go, I feel really scared, that's okay. Don't hold that in and then be angry because you're covering your fear. Just tell someone that you trust, you know, I, this injury, it's got me scared because I'm not sure if I'm gonna play and I really love playing. And then, you know, and also, you know, you're being as responsible. Laird is a good example of this. When Laird has things that make him uncomfortable, something that he's afraid of or an injury, he goes right at it. He's a compliant patient because people complain about stuff, but not do anything. So that's the other side of it is what can you control? What can't you control? There's reason there's prayers about it, right? And it's it's just getting that relationship even with the muck and being like wow this really sucks and I'm scared and um, I I hate I've cried behind bleachers let me tell you as an adult female I have you know got my butt kicked so much that season that book was written that at, by the fifth tournament I was like you know and then it's like okay dust yourself off and here we go but it's seeing everything is everything your opponents are you you're that it's like it's all part of it and and um, and saying like everything we do in life that means anything to us, it always has all the shades. It just does. And by the way, the other thing is, especially if you're entrepreneurs, everything takes a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just does. You know, it's like it things take time to build and grow, and um, and it really can suck sometimes. And like I heard somebody say, you know, the the top of one mountain often is the bottom of another. It's just like. When you can get that perspective you're like oh cool i'm in for the process and i'm not going to hold my breath to enjoy my life or my relationships till i get there how do you weave that into your day-to-day right things like that
0: right i love that holistic approach and then that's i definitely wish i kind of knew that as a youth athlete because we don't really see that as as kids we just see winning and losing or I'm feeling good, I'm not feeling good. We don't really see that holistic approach. So if there's any coaches or, you know, parents listening, you know, let's try to teach the kids that, um, it's great, not easy, you know? There's,
1: well, there's, a, there's I think two things on that. One, there's a great book by Rich DeVinny, who was a, a SEAL, who used to also train the SEALs, called 25 Attributes. So for coaches, um, he says, listen, I can teach you to pack your pack and shoot a gun. I can't teach you to be humble. I can't teach you to have a sense of humor when it's all coming down. So also for coaches to recognize certain attributes and certain athletes that they're born with, that you, it's not about developing them. It's understanding how to organize it because one shoe doesn't fit all, right? Like one Mm -hmm. guy needs a kick in the ass and one guy it's like, hey, you got this. One guy, you gotta be like, hey, take it easy. You know, like everyone's so different. Um, So 25 attributes is is good for that. But also I know this is the way it goes. I think this is how we learn. I don't think we're supposed to know when we're young, because that forces us to go, this isn't working. And that's why we learn. If we knew this when we were 15 or 20, I don't know that we could arrive at a place where it would feel important to try to understand it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Um, I want to jump into health. I know you're, you're very passionate about health and wellness. And and, you know, before we talk about that, I would like to talk about your healing journey. Uh, because I know you had a <laughs> knee replacement. Well, <laughs> right. Well, I specifically, I want to talk about the, the physical injury you had. That you, I think you had a knee replacement. Oh, yeah. And I think Laird had a hip replacement the same day. Is, yeah. Am I right about that? Sure. So, like, going, I'd like you to talk about going through that um, as, a, as an individual and then together, you know, how you guys manage that emotionally, mindset, growth, like try to put all that together for the healing journey that you guys went on.
1: Well, so first, before we did this, we tried everything possible not to. And then I think you get to a place where it's like a tough decision, let's say for one of your entrepreneurs or your bosses or your coaches, where it's like, okay, we've assessed everything. We've assessed it every which way we've talked to everyone we've evaluated. This is the only option. Do it. And then you kind of do it with a go lean into it attitude of like, yeah, this is gonna happen and it might be, there's gonna be stuff that's hard and we're gonna get through it. However, the reason we did it together is one, um, I thought that there'd be a natural empathy between the two of us. We were both shot by then anyway, completely, you know, lack of function. Secondly, and I'm admitting this, and as Laird's partner and wife, what I, the knee is harder than the hip to recover from, right? However, what I need my body to do is different and less demanding that what, that what Laird is asking his body. So secretly I was like, Laird's going to look at me and feel really good about where he's at. And that's going to be good. Cause what Laird does is pretty dangerous. Right. Um, and so I think it's just, everything is a process or formula and you just know this is going to suck. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be really swollen it's going to hurt i'm going to feel vulnerable like when people get near you and you're hurt you're like get the dog away from me get the small children away from me it's like you have to anticipate this and then it's sort of like a fact it's like going into the ice tub it's cold yeah no kidding you know it's like when you're healing it hurts okay i think we get so afraid and, and we get so disconnected from those uncomfortable emotions instead of being like yes This is, this is painful. Mm -hmm. And then now what can I do to make myself feel better? So I think also what helped me though, is people did tell me, Hey, listen, the first 30 days on a knee replacement is pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. But what I committed to myself was I wasn't going to react too much. You know, when you're doing those stupid little circle pedals with the, you know, and the, you know, you want to take the therapist and put them in a headlock (laughs) and just be like, yeah, okay. I'm a day seven. I'm a day 28, you know, things like that, but do everything you can do because people will complain, but not do their homework when they're injured. So if I could say to anyone like Laird is a great example, if they tell him do 10 minutes, Laird does 15. If they tell him do it twice a day, he does it three times a day. Me, not as much. So be a compliant patient, participate in your healing, because that also will make you emotionally feel like, yes, I'm doing all that I can. Don't sit there and eat ice cream and create inflammation in your system, but be like, hey, I'm going to do everything I can, what I eat, who I hang around with, the extra homework I can do, whether it's STEM or icing or whatever, on being on the stationary bike, and I'm going to give it my best and see what happens.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. So I haven't had knee replacement, but I've had two knee surgeries, uh, meniscus on both sides. And I remember being in that ROM machine for on the set <laughs> for the second time, and it was just so frustrating. And I I just remember that feeling of frustration and just like almost a little self doubt, like can I get through this? Oh yeah, you know. And and it just like and it bums a lot of athletes out when they get hurt, you know. And I just look at you two. And you guys are able to bounce back so quick. It seems like that anyway, you know, and and it almost like easy, you know. And I know it's not. I know it's not, but it just seems like it, you know. And I, I just remember back to that feeling of like, oh, that that's like, do I even want to play anymore? Can you give anyone some more advice about getting through an injury? staying focused on their craft, staying focused on healing, maybe visualizing what they're going to do when they get back to the court, anything like that?
1: Well, first of all, you said something really important. Do I even want to play? So I think what's great is it's not all gravy. So what is our real reason for doing what we're doing? Do we genuinely love it or are we just kind of good at it and now it's our job? So that's actually a huge opportunity for you to have a clear understanding. Because you could be, if you're running around the court and it's like, hey, do you want to do this? Oh yeah, this is great. But when you're down and out, it's like, do you really want to do it? And so actually I say that as brutal as that is, it will make you appreciate like, oh, I I walked across the room today by myself without crutches. I got off the toilet without grabbing onto the wall. These are very small kind of silly things But it gives you, I always say through my athletic injuries, I've learned, I don't need to learn the lesson that my health is important. I get it. I Mm. understand it. That's why I'm passionate about health. Not because I'm like, let's have six pack abs. It's one of the greatest gifts besides your friends and family is your, is your health. So for an athlete, that's just going to cry baby and complain and be like, I'm frustrated. It's like, well, how committed are you? How bad do you want to do it? And, and, and also, again, that still goes back to having that right person where you can go today is hard. I feel unsure. And now it, it, it's like all of those things. I, there is no way easy. Listen, I have a torn labrum right now on my hip and a bone spur on my hip. And by the way, I drug my feet to f- even figure out what it was, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. And this is the other thing I'll tell athletes clear as day. You never learn anything when everything's cool. You will learn everything that will make you better because something hurts Mm -hmm. or it's not going well. We only make adjustments when it's not good. I know more about things to eat and drink and ways to stretch and tools that are out there to help me because of every injury, not because I was so healthy and great. Nobody touches it when you're feeling good. So I wanna remind them that they're in school, that maybe they're gonna learn something that helps them prolong their career five to seven or ten years because of that injury.
0: That's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, talk a little bit about training. You know, you you still train all the time, even with you know you have your injuries and your healing journeys and stuff. But you you uh, you're passionate about training, right? Talk a little bit about that passion, where it comes from, and you know, how you keep going and you, you talk about it in your book, like, yeah, there's just some days I just don't feel like it. And then I'm like, you know what, let's go. Cause yeah. I gotta go, I gotta do this. And I know you're a leader too. There's other people that that are following you for your training stuff. Talk about that training.
1: Well, it's the medicine besides like the food, it's the medicine yeah. for me, for sanity, for self-care. Um, it allows me to be able to extend myself further So when people are like, I'm trying to do a lot of things and accomplish things, it's like, yeah, well, you better train and you better take care of yourself. So I have a lot of things I want to get done, and I'm trying to be a lot of things, not only for myself, but for my family and my work. And the way I do that is by being, I don't chinch on my training. And unless someone's getting driven to the hospital, it's on the calendar and it's going. And so what I've learned is I took the emotionality out out of it and um. And also I'm well connected to the feeling of when this is done, I will feel more proud of myself. I will respect myself more because the thing I did here was honest. Mm -hmm. I worked because sometimes I get rewarded for things in my life that I didn't work that hard for. And sometimes I work super hard at things and I don't get rewarded. We all know this from business. This is the one thing there's a reciprocity in there, which is like yeah, this is in, this is in my control. This is really honest. The minutes, the sweat, the discomfort. And, um, and also it's a real gift. If you actually have time and a thing where you can train, and if part of it, if you're an athlete is your job, then guess what? It's a gift. I'll, I'll tell you a really quick story. One time we were doing an XPT event in Miami, they had a Spartan gym at the one gym. It's something else now. Anyway, I was in there and I was like, oh, I'll get a quick workout in because those are the days I usually don't get to train because I'm training with everybody else. I was in there lifting weights and there were guys doing construction in the room next to me, carrying very heavy items in and out of the gym. And I was like, oh, these guys really work for a living. I'm the idiot in here, like picking up dumbbells. So I think it's also that perspective of how lucky are we that this is what we get to do. Mm. And it is our job, whether you're a professional athlete or you're an entrepreneur who's putting fitness into their day-to-day life to take care of ourselves. There are so many people out there who really genuinely don't have the time and they're just making it happen. So right. if you actually have the, a window, 20 minutes, one hour, you are very, very fortunate.
0: And what about when you just don't feel like it? You're like, ah. I just can't, I can't fire up. What do you use to fire up to go to your work? That goes
1: back to the accountability because the thing is, is everything I do. And I, I say, I'm saying, Hey, I would like my life to look like this. And I would like the people in my life to be of this caliber. I have to be that I can't just give lip service. You have to do it and you can't be like telling everybody like, I don't train about, Oh, I trained so hard today. It's like, you just have to do it and be it because then hopefully maybe you'll vibrate it a little bit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and, and then your life, then you'll attract those things. But, um, the other is just like, that's baby time. That's like, I don't want to now, if you're really tired and you haven't, you're it's for real, then that's the time. Also flip side of that is we also need to learn how to genuinely, be kind and loving to ourselves in a real way, not let yourself off the hook way and say, you know what? It'd be better to do things that are slower or nurturing or just go in the sauna, eat really well, chill. That's good. But you got to hold yourself accountable and you can have that dialogue. Yeah, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Cool, great. And here we go. All right. <laughs> um, but I look at it as the investment in my life. When I do that, I'm trying to attract all those other things that I'm asking for, and I have to do that by my own work.
0: Love that. Nutrition. Can -hmm. you give some nutritional advice to some athletes out there? Like, for example, for myself, nutrition has been the one thing throughout my whole career has just been a question mark. It's like, what do I eat? When do I eat? You yeah. know, <laughs> like I've, I've talked to nutritionists, you know, I've read books, you know, yeah. I know you're very passionate about it. Yeah. Just, just take that and run with that a little bit. Sure.
1: I mean, it's hard first, uh, you know, I'll, I'll quote Laird, you know, plants and animals. If you are not a vegetarian or a vegan, I think this idea of like lots of goos and bars and all that stuff, if we can avoid that stuff, great. If you can avoid snacking, better hydration, you know, we see her, everyone hears that till the cows come home. There could be no truer statement about really learning how putting minerals in your water, hydrate, 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 right? Avoiding injury, flexibility, sleeping better, elimination. This all centers around hydration. So if people want to jump higher, be hydrated. I, I could start there. Now, one thing I've learned recently, there's a book called The Glucose Revolution. All of us need to avoid very drastic glucose spikes throughout our day. We think that's for someone who's diabetic or pre-diabetic. That's actually not true. Because what happens is if you have big sharp spikes, i.e., some sugary muffin in the morning, then you get the drop. Then what happens is you're tired and you eat more. You're hungry. You have there's leptin and ghrelin. You have hormones that get released when you have these big spikes that will make you eat more. So if I was an athlete, I would start my day definitely with more um uh, and it's hard to be like have a salad so something fibrous in the morning and animal and fat. So what the order is this. If your plate is set up with sweet potato, chicken and broccoli. If you and I eat it just to give you an idea. You eat your broccoli, your fiber first. Then you eat your chicken, animal protein and fat second, and then you eat your carbohydrate or sugar last. Hmm. Your glucose spike I think is minimized by about 43% just by the order of your food. So if people could just at least figure out and eat in these orders, they would avoid those spikes. Interesting. Um, I think female athletes, it's really important to get enough healthy fats. Um, you know, women typically are a little more afraid of like fat, I think, you know, avocado, olive oil, and coconut. Those are the fats we eat, unfortunately, all of our dressings have sunflower and safflower oil. If we could avoid, you know, sort of hard nut seed oils, they create chronic inflammation. And then sugar and dairy together is not your friend. We, what is that? That's ice cream. If people are drinking alcohol, um, you're not going to hear me be like, "That's great for you." It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not. And also, sometimes it leads to careless eating, right? Mm-hmm you have a couple of drinks and you're like, yeah, well, yeah that whatever jalapeno popper looks good or whatever. <laughs> so what I would say is, but every athlete's different. So experiment, um, don't have tons of snacking. And if you are going to like, you go, Hey, I really want something sweet. Do it right after you train. Cause then your muscles are open. They'll at least absorb the glucose for you. Um, but real food, I think we overthink it. Yeah. I think we overthink it. Yeah. And, um, but having said that having said all that when you have athletes that have events sprinkled out through a day i do think they need to work with a, nutri- a nutritionist to see how are they getting that maximum energy and it's hard to know what are the hours in between how long are they competing what type of athlete are they like tennis players right a male tennis player can be out there 3 to 5 hours you could have certain athletes where they're competing three times in the day so for sure i think it's also specifically looking at that
0: for sure yeah. Yeah. But you
1: know, processed food on any, on any level isn't, isn't going to do it. And beyond that, don't overthink it. People get so nutty that now they have stress on the system because they're worried about their food. And I still think, you know, it's the worst thing you can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I relate to that too. Like when I, when I don't meal prep, which actually is often, I, it's just hard for me to meal prep. I do feel that stress. What am I going to eat? Where am I going to get the food? I know I got to eat healthy today, but where, where do I go? Where do I go? What do I do? I'm running out of time. I'm stressed. I feel that
1: stress sometimes. And then finally, I would encourage athletes, um, uh, human beings, because you're a human organism and then you happen to be moving and doing a sport. So always treat yourself just as a human organism. Is Everyone talks about gut health and microbiome. This is a very real thing. If anything is, is a it would be worth looking into your gut health and seeing if you have, you know, any, you know, sort of punctures in your lining and things like that. And let me also remind athletes, nobody wants to hear this aspirin and anti-inflammatories, they put holes in your guts and they will kick your butt. And so even though we need it, cause we have to get through, just be super mindful of kind of the other side of that.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. got to be very careful about any and all of that stuff. Um,
1: and it's not like c- I was freaked out. It's just that it hurts your microbiome. And so yeah. it's just, we have to understand that it's, it's a whole system, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And we can go farther and farther down that hole, but, uh, but- um, let, let's, let's move to a couple other things. And then I, I want to really talk about um, your entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. but um I want to make sure that we talk about clarity and flow Mm -hmm. as an athlete, as a human being, you know, just finding clarity, you know, and and I know Laird talks about this a lot. And you mentioned honesty. I I feel like honesty leads to clarity Um, just with anything that you're doing, whether you're pursuing a sport business, just trying to be the best version of yourself, um, staying, finding that inspired feeling, but that clarity, right? Like what comes to mind when I say that word clarity for you?
1: just nature, you know? Like I think if you need a North star, because the world is a confusing place and sometimes our feelings and thoughts are confusing. So for me, that's why I like to look at horizons a lot. And I don't mean Mm. like sunset and sunrise. I'm not even that romantic. If I can just see some kind of line, it reminds me of my one, insignificance. And two, for me, it's just very, it's like orienting. Um, but again, it's, it's not, you know, Laird is a great example. Don't tuck anything under the carpet,
0: right? Right, right, right.
1: Your feelings, your fears, your intentions don't hide behind like, oh, I'm really a good trying to do this for good, but behind you have another agenda. All that makes everything so piled up and confusing. And even in our relationships, I think it's super important to have be- real clarity with our thoughts and feelings with the people close to us. And even the people, even if they're not close to us, if we're working with them, for example, but there needs to be a conversation to be bold enough to say, hey, I need to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, Laird again has been a great example of he'll say anything uncomfortable and it'll be in love of love. You don't have to be combative. To say things that are uncomfortable to people, especially when you're working together in a team situation or in a work situation, and be like, we need to address these things. So I think all of those things we can have clarity. Conversely, can we hear it back to ourselves? Right. So say, hey, Gabby, I'm noticing, and this and you said this, and it's inconsistent with this action over here. And me being able to say, wow, I can hear right. that. And with our right. and with our families. I have children and I have to hear you know, them go like, you know, when you do that, I, that's terrible. And you just go. So it's, I think it's peeling, keeping, keeping things clean, just yeah keeping all the stuff clean, taking ownership of your crap, apologizing, being willing to be, you know, hear this, take constructive criticism, being able to say things directly. I think it's all of it.
0: Yeah. Oh man. I, I love that. I love the way you, you put all that, um, flow. What about flow and and if you can think back to your playing days, were you were you do you remember ever being in the flow where just you couldn't make a mistake and you just were so present and so locked in? A couple. Or, times. what's that?
1: A couple times.
0: A Couple times, yeah, yeah. I know it doesn't.
1: A couple times I had I can remember having games, and then when I was lucky, a couple times I had some tournaments where you were yeah. like, the balls big, it's slow. Yeah. I'm I'm you know I'm in the right place at the right time. Um, but maybe it's because I was just playing. Sometimes if I went on the court with too many other thoughts and feelings of what I was doing out there, uh, you're not allowed to go into flow. Mm. But when the days where I was just there to do it and I, I wasn't about me and uh, you know, what was it going to be about the outcome or who's watching or would I disappoint people or would people be impressed if I was just there to play? um, I usually was, more successful and unfortunately that was really hard to get to sometimes
0: it's hard to get to for all of us but i think it's worth talking about and trying to figure out is it something we can practice can we practice that or does it just come
1: i think if you had a, a, a sort of a practice it's interesting because when you have athletes that are in nature they get their squ- easier mm-hmm. because it's all consuming and and maybe the um the 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 punishment is more serious. I think somebody like <clears throat> on a vert ramp probably can get into flow because the the punishment for a mistake is is for real. Right. Um, so I think maybe it's finding how do you find and maybe do this start in practice to to just play by play. When are, do you have the opportunity to tune it out? I oh my teammate, I want to punch them in the face. Coach is bugging me. I got a test tomorrow. I look stupid on that last play. Instead of "here comes the ball" or "this," you know, this is what we're doing. You know, and being present in that moment. I think if we can practice it, we could probably get to it sooner. Um, and and I do think actually male athletes might be better at it because they can compartmentalize easier. Right. So it's it's just about. Why am I, ha- why am I have all this dialogue? Like, cause that's our story. Right. And we have, and we do that in regular life. Right. I have a narrative. I was raised like this. My mom did that to me and this happened or blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's just right now that mm-hmm. even that last point, it doesn't exist. That person who transgressed you, it's over where, what are we doing? And that test it's tomorrow. We don't know. Right. So how do we just be like, you know what? It's like I'll let that take care of itself. This is what I'm doing right now.
0: I love that. I, I really love that. And I, I think I think you're right. I think we can practice it. I think we can practice the, um, the ways to get there for a moment, right? It's it's hard to do that for sustained moments, but
1: oh, yeah. you
0: know, can we get there for this moment? Can I just get there for just a moment? You know?
1: Well, it's it's when you're in that harmony. Of the rhythm of what you're doing, and you're connected. It's the one. It goes back to that oneness. Right. Your teammates. You. You're with the ball. You're even understanding your opponents. And so we separate ourselves from everything and everyone. So when we can stop doing that, um, I think it's easier. I certainly didn't understand that when I was competing. I think, um, I got there a lot of times by accident.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's carry that into your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I think it's like one of the most beautiful, tough, hard, but most rewarding journeys ever. Um, talk a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur, how your your uh, uh, experience as an athlete has helped you as an entrepreneur. Um, you can mention any of the Laird Superfoods and the XPT, anything.
1: Yeah, well, anything I think you know, if you see the businesses that I've been involved with creating, you, you're not like, oh, I would have never connected that. A lot of it makes sense. So when I say that, it's because I try to also work on things that are genuine extension of who I am or my beliefs um, or what I'm passionate about or what I'm really using in my own life. So let's start there. Because there'd be a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and they go, well, you know, the tech business they're getting billion dollar evaluations. That's what I'm doing. Right. Do you like that? Are you interested in that? Are you good at that? So I think it's first um, coming at it because it's, it, it's hard. And, you know, I've had many businesses that failed and even the businesses that are very successful, it is hard. Right. And so when first I what I always say to people is you know, it ha- you have to have that kind of relationship with what you're selling. I put that in quotes, because you got to believe in that. You have to be proud of that. You have to be genuine. And it's the same with sport. Why are you doing it? Why are you there? Is it to be like, check it out? Or I can make some jing. Yes. Do I want to have businesses that crush and are successful? Sure, I do. But that's not the order of things. The order of things is, would I use this? Can I share this? Do I feel proud of this? Is there a place for this? Because the other thing I always say to entrepreneurs too, pretend like nobody cares. Mm. We all have these ideas that we think are so great. And like, oh, this is the smartest thing in the world. It's like, is it? Or is it just your thing? Right. And so I think it's really important to have objectivity to, to it all. Like the name of it, you might start a company and it has one name and somebody comes along and goes, that name's not good, that logo's not gonna work, those color scheme doesn't work. You can't <laughs> hold on to that with attachment. You have to be like, oh, this is part of the process and not attached to things. But then there is a time to fight for things, right? Like talking about layered Superfood ingredients. I'll fight all day long about ingredients. Well, the shelf life will be longer and the margins will be greater, I don't care. If I know something is better, at least today, because I might learn tomorrow, something else is better. I need to stand up for that. So what can you, what should you disattach to? That doesn't really matter. The color of bag. Okay, certain the principles on something of the company stand up for that, right? Mm. So, and you want to be able to to feel good. Like if someone's using it, you can't be getting one over on somebody. We've seen what that does. So, for me, it's understanding. It's very hard. Um, the other thing I've learned: corporate culture. If you if you are growing a company, make sure you don't have many cancers in there. If you've got somebody who is a cancer, I don't even care if they're the biggest G in the world and great at what they're doing. It's it'll it's dangerous. Um, and knowing what you're good at, and knowing don't be a control freak, knowing when you need help. Yeah. Um, and and listen, I didn't go to Wharton, so I, I right so thankful I have people that actually know what what they're really doing CEOs and CMOs and you know they're putting together 130 page reports like
0: right right right
1: financial models I want to blow my brains out so (laughs) it's understanding putting together a good team and if you don't really believe in what you're doing you'll never make it
0: right that self-belief coming back to that and also um, I heard you mention the power of having a product right like
1: well a real thing
0: Right. A real thing. Yeah. That, that, that I think is huge for especially athletes, right? Because we don't, we don't do that. We just show up and do our best. We don't like create stuff. Well, you know?
1: okay. So here's what I would say to somebody listening. Who's of an af- of an athlete in my twenties, I was a gun for hire. I worked for Nike and whoever else. Right. So you start to understand what that looks like. And you also understand, okay, well, if I'm a representative of something, how do I do that? How do I feel good about that? okay, great. Then in your, as you mature, it's like, well, I need to start moving towards ownership.
0: Right. percent. I mean,
1: because you're not, they're not going to call you forever. You know, if Nike's target audience is 12 to 22, because then they have brand loyalty and they don't need you after that. As a 50 year old woman, you think Nike's like, cool, let's get Gabby to, endorse-. no, they're not, they don't care. They're not talking to them. So But it's not about forcing it. I wasn't like, okay, what can we own? But it's about asking for it, the universe or however people want to do it in their prayer. Hey, you know what, I'm looking for, you know, something that would make sense as these next steps, and it'll come to you. Yeah. Um, But by the way, you may not be interested, what it takes, what we're doing. It's not that sexy. (laughs) So you also have to ask yourself, is that something I'm interested in? Right. Because if it's not, your skill set can be used a million ways. You could be a coach. You could be an ambassador. You could do so many other things. So also be careful not to bite a hook that isn't for you. I just really like doing this and the process. And I don't mind, you know, the gazillion calls and like all the things it's, I really dig it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gabby, uh, this talk has been awesome. I would actually love to invite you back for a round two just to talk about the entrepreneurial journey because there's so much we can dissect there. Yeah. Um, but today was great. I really, really appreciate you making some time. Um, before we go, just tell people how they can connect with you or you know where they can find Laird Superfoods or, or and talk about your podcast too because we didn't oh. mention that. Um, I really oh. liked the one with Tony Robbins. I just listened to oh. that one. But yeah, go ahead real quick.
1: You don't interview Tony Robbins. You just like move out of the way. Um, For sure. You know, listen, I I love having the podcast because it's also an opportunity for forced learning. Like if I don't have time, I'm like, well, I got to read this book because I'm going to interview this person. So when we talk about growth mindset, sometimes I put things in my life to kind of make me because I I know how important it is. And I I do like getting, you know, high-end information from very smart people and trying to put it at a sixth grade level. Yep. I think that's important. I really love it. So people can come there. Uh, the Gabby Reese show um, at Gabby Reese. But I, I just, you know, I want to encourage people that um, make your own definition of success and try to architect your life in a way that feels good to you. Um, and, and I've heard this many times. If you do have an idea, don't tell too many people because sometimes people are maybe not the most supportive uh, or you know, they're not doing it their own life. So their filter will tell you, well, like, why do you think you can do that? That's going to be hard. Well, okay. Thanks. But also have somebody who's realistic and going, Hey, listen, take an assessment. How's it going? Are you wasting time and money? What's happening? And so I think it's that self-check-in has to be in your business too. You got to be realistic. And like I said, I'll tell you all the bombs I've done and money I've wasted or put into things that didn't work. And that too was part of to the next, but just, um, being clear about what is success uh, for each person. Um, and if, and even if it's like, hey, I want to be a gazillionaire, that's cool. But just be clear. Always be clear. Not like I want to give back to the world, but really you want to make a gazillion. Or you you say you want to make a gazillion, but really what's going to make you feel satisfied is like working with community or people. So just being clear about that.
0: Yeah. Woo. Wisdom nuggets. I love it um gabby again thank you so much i will link links to all those things including your podcast and and where people can get layered superfood and everything i just i just want to give book what's that good luck with your book oh thank you so much i appreciate that you know finally i'll actually here it is right here let's see. just be- before oh, it uh yeah, oh. yeah it's, it's in that phase so okay. once once it gets printed i'll i'll be i'll be able oh, to it... have it in my hand is know? that the galley the galley
1: yeah. Is that the book? Is that the, ga- is that the it, or galley or rough draft? Or- yeah. Yeah.
0: Manuscript. Yeah. 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 It's uh, the, the inspired athlete. And now it's, it's going to the formatter and all that stuff. And so when, once all that is done, I'll be able to have it in my hand, which is, which will be a dream. So I can't wait to share it with you. Right. I think you'll really like it.
1: I, I'm excited. I, I want to hear it. And, and I just also want to remind whether you're an entrepreneur and athlete, there, there's just no way sometimes about kind of time. And so I think that we all have to go through sort of paying our dues and going through things and that's forever and ever. And so it's good to get information from other people, but there is, there's no hack on this stuff. And I know we live in a time where it's like, what's the secret? What are the top five? What are the answers? And even if we have all that information, I, I, I still also think part of it is time. Yeah. So I just want to encourage people: don't be freaked out by that. It's okay.
0: Yeah. Gabby, yeah, you're awesome. I appreciate you so much. Okay. And we'll Aloha. we'll do a round two too. Uh, round two soon, okay?
1: Okay. Aloha. 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 Mahalo. Bye.